This is going to be a bit of a recap and wrap up of uh, the last two kind of podcasts I did other than the anonymous questions uh, where I was talking about responsive versus spontaneous desire and uh, the blessings of having one or the other and kind of how to deal with them. Uh, But first, I wanted to let you know that um, it is November again. And for those of you who've been listening to our podcast for a while or following on our blog or been on our newsletter, um, for at least a year. You know that last year that we released something called the Intimacy Advent Calendar. And uh, if you don't know what that is, it's basically, if you grew up Christian, uh, or even maybe not, uh, we had these things called Advent Calendars. Uh, You could buy them in grocery stores or whatever. And it would be like a calendar where every day of the week you'd get a a toy or a chocolate or something kind of leading up to Christmas. And uh, I had this thought that, you know, it'd be cool if we had something like this for adults, because I keep seeing these things in the stores for my kids, you know, but, uh, and it really made, you know, it made December really exciting because something, you get something every day. So I thought, I wonder if we could do this for adults. So I built something called the Intimacy Advent Calendar, where basically it's a printable where you can download uh, basically these coupons and you decide which ones you want to give to your spouse and uh, you give them to them and every day they kind of get a new one and people love it Uh, the reviews on it are incredible you can go on the site and check it out I'll put a link to it in the show notes people who bought it last year said you know it absolutely changed their holidays uh, from a time that it tends to be very draining and very you know, it's a high stress kind of season, even though it's supposed to be a kind of about family and loved ones and everything. So this kind of helps uh, couples focus back on each other uh, around the holiday season. Uh, so they loved it. They were very excited to do it again this year. Um, so I updated it a bit. We changed uh, some of the design based on some things that people had said, uh, added some new cards. Um, basically, it's a new and improved product. So if you bought it before, uh, you might want to just go and Go on the site, log in with your account, and you can grab uh, the new version of it. Uh, this thing's also available in three different versions. So I have a romantic one, which has no sexual cards whatsoever. Then there's a sexual one, which is that has sex stuff in it. And then there's a black label one for those who really like uh, my edgier posts and questions and the stuff that's like, you know, taboo and nobody really talks about, but a lot of people really do. Uh, so if you in the past bought one of the like the romantic or the sexy one and you want to upgrade to the other one um check your email i you probably have an email with a coupon code to go from one to the next uh if not it's actually in the pdf from last year uh if you are one of our supporters on patreon or paypal um and you give us over five dollars a month then you get it for free so also check your email about that or send me an email j at uncoveringintimacy.com and just let me know you missed it or whatever. Uh, and if you are thinking about becoming a supporter, now might be the good month to do it because if you join during the month of November for anything $5 and up, you get it for free. So yeah, if you're thinking about it, now's a good time to do it. And lastly, the price is going up next Friday. Um, so if you're interested in checking it out now, yeah, basically this week is the week to do it. 
Oh, and one more thing. If you are listening to this and you are another blogger, podcaster, or some other kind of influencer, and you want to offer it to your audience, um, shoot me an email. We have uh, affiliate codes and we can set up things to help you do that. All right, so let's get on to the actual post content or what we want to talk about this episode. Now, if you haven't listened to the previous two episodes, um, the one on the blessings of having a responsive or spontaneous desire, I highly suggest you do so or else you may not understand what I'm talking about here. Uh, This is really a continuation of those two. And once I had finished those ones, I felt that there was still something left to say on the topic. So in true philosophical fashion, uh, this post will appear to undo and undermine everything in the previous two while simultaneously trying to actually underpin it. Uh, Because ultimately, it doesn't matter what kind of desire you experience, you know, either responsive or spontaneous. Those ideas are just concepts. Uh, You know, they're a model to try and help explain or guide uh, when needed. There's sort of like a map, Uh, but like all maps, at some point they become more hindrance than help. And the reasons for that is uh, that, you know, maps don't really show you all the details. You know, maps are very good at showing boundaries. This either is a road or it isn't. This is water or it isn't, Uh, but doesn't do a very good job of showing like blended boundaries. So like a shoreline where the water level can shift or whether the road has wide shoulders or a ditch running beside it. And similarly, while we've been sort of bucketing people into either responsive or spontaneous, the truth is many people experience both. Um, Almost everyone has a capacity to experience both responsive and spontaneous desire. However, those with spontaneous desire who also have a strong or higher sex drive often never get to experience that part of their nature. Likewise, those with responsive desire who also have a weak or low sex drive, they never get to experience what it feels like to have spontaneous desire. And this is a dynamic that happens a lot uh, in my marriage, and I know in many others. Uh, Because I desire sex so often, unless something is going on in our life that it completely disrupts uh, our life to the point that sex is not an option for at least a week, it's unlikely my wife is ever going to get to the point where she spontaneously desires sex. And even if she does, she's so unused to initiating uh, at times like that, that she feels uncomfortable asking for what she wants. You know, she feels selfish asking for her desire to be met in the rare c- cases where she actually spontaneously feels it. The point is, people tend not to be uh, 100% responsive or spontaneous. It's just that their circumstances sometimes only allow them to experience one or the other. If your spouse has no interest in sex or is too shy to initiate, or feels that sex is shameful or dirty or necessary evil, then it's quite likely that you'll never get to experience responsive desire with them until that root issue is resolved. Likewise, if your spouse wants sex every night and makes that clear, there's a good chance you're never going to experience what it feels like to suddenly want sex. It's like never feeling what it's like to be starving when you eat three meals a day every day. And it's fairly common for people with a higher desire to get tired of always initiating. Sometimes they get it into their heads that they're just going to stop until their spouse initiates. Unfortunately, they also often do this with no communication or with bad communication. And this tends to end in a few fairly predictable ways that I hear about all the time. Uh, the first is that their spouse thinks that they're no longer interested in sex, so even when they feel desired, they don't initiate. Uh, the second is that their spouse feels like they're being controlled, so that even when they feel desired, they don't initiate again. And the third is, you know, 
they get grumpy themselves and they let their frustration and their impatience show so that even when their spouse feels desire, they don't initiate again because the relationship doesn't feel safe anymore. So in short, these high desire, uh, spontaneous spouses, uh, they shoot themselves in the foot. And I say they, but I'm I'm one of these people too. Uh, If you're going to try and do something like this, it has to be communicated well and planned out. Uh, Everyone has to know what is expected and has to be on board. So there's no resentment or feelings of being controlled. Uh, I think maybe I might do a whole podcast on that at another time. But back to our point, Uh, maps also speak in absolutes, but we live in a relative universe. You know, maps have coordinates. They work on some sort of absolute reference point. It doesn't adjust based on where you are. And, you know, that's kind of becoming less true because smartphones are starting to adjust to where you are. Uh, But let's stick with old school paper maps for this illustration. You know, likewise, the responsive and spontaneous, low and high, they sound like absolute terms, but in a marriage, these things are actually relative. Often people who end up getting remarried, uh, be it due to divorce or death, are surprised to find out that while their sex drive hasn't changed, they've somehow gone from being the lower drive spouse to the higher drive spouse, uh, or vice versa. You know, their first spouse was higher than them before, but their new spouse is lower than them. And also, maps don't self-update. And again, this is changing in our modern era, but still someone has to go in and make the updates. And sometimes the updates are slow. Occasionally you find an entire new subdivision in existence that aren't on the map yet. Uh, Roads that are closed, but your navigation software isn't aware of that. And we know intuitively that, uh, you know, if if you come to a cliff and your map says, oh, the road continues, you don't drive off the cliff. We make adjustments for reality. And likewise, I think we need to be looking out for changes in our dynamics in our marriages. We cannot trust that the model that explains what we experience now will stay static. You know, pregnancies, births, surgeries, uh, medication, menopause, mental or physical health, these can all change drastic shifts in sex drives, which can lead to changing dynamics. And suddenly a spouse who experienced 100% responsive desire because they were the lower drive partner suddenly finds that they're mostly spontaneous aroused now because their spouse doesn't initiate as much as they were used to. And I often get emails from people saying, you know, I'm a high drive spouse, but then their qualification for that can be anywhere from I want sex three times a day to I want sex twice a week. Now, it may be unlikely that the three times a day person suddenly finds that their spouse wants sex more than them, but it is quite possible that their drive could lower while their spouse's raises. Um, Those tables could turn. And we have to be careful not to get stuck in the mindset that I'm the higher drive spouse because this one day could change. Some of the saddest emails I get are from spouses who used to have the lower drive, had responsive desire, and never learned to allow themselves to respond. They spent years being sexual refusers until it became a part of who they are. They they started to believe this uh, kind of static mode that I am a low-drive, responsive desire who refuses. And over time, their spouse learned not to seek them out for sexual fulfillment, uh, whether they learned to become chaste or resorted to masturbation or affairs or whatever. And then one day their drive shifted into high gear and suddenly they want sex all the time and their spouse couldn't care less. I mean, why should they? They've spent years learning how to dampen their own drive. Uh, They learned that their spouse isn't to be relied on for intimacy. And after years of the previous lower drive spouse rejecting them, why would they now be selfless in meeting the now higher drives needs? 
you know, we never know what tomorrow will bring. So be generous when you can. Be patient when you can, because you never know when these tables will turn and you'll want your spouse to do the same for you. And really, you shouldn't need that karma approach to marriage that that we use to teach children. But frankly, some of you are children in your marriages. And I don't mean that to be insulting. What I mean to say is that learning to be a good spouse is a process that matures. Uh, Ideally, you each act patiently, selflessly, and generously simply because you have chosen to love your spouse, even if it gets you nothing in return, even if you know the situation isn't going to change, because that's just what unconditional love is. That's what we vowed to uphold. And frankly, that's what we're supposed to do as Christians anyways. These same characteristics that help us in marriage are the ones that we consider Christ-like and are expected to be growing as one of his followers. So depending on your maturity level, either do it because you said you would, or you know, be a person of integrity, or do it because Christ expects it of you, or do it because if you don't, it might hurt you down the road. You know, whatever reason you pick, I think it'll help your marriage. Though I think the unconditional love reason will help you more. And lastly, like I said, this map is only useful until it becomes a hindrance. Uh, Maps are great while you're learning. Uh, They're great when you don't know where you're going or where you are, when you're confused or you need someone to help guide you, or when you need to show someone else how to get where they're going. But eventually, they do get in the way. For all the reasons above and more, you don't check a map every time you go home from the grocery store and back. You know, all along the way, you learn, you grow, you start to understand reality better. Uh, There are things you know about your route between different places that you cannot see on a map. Maybe you know that this light takes a really long time, so you go around another one. Maybe you know that uh, I can turn right on this stoplight, but I can't on this other one for whatever reason. You know, pulling out a map every time you get into the car will drive everyone crazy. And likewise, this model of responsive slash spontaneous desire is helpful to learn, to grow, and to show other people. But at some point, you need to put the model down and learn more about how your specific spouse differs from the model. And that's where the real learning actually begins. Because ultimately, it doesn't matter what label you put on yours or your spouse's type of desire. What matters is who they are, how you treat them, and how you relate to them, how you show them love each and every day. And that's it for today. So if you're interested, check out our Uncovering Intimacy calendar. Uh, yeah, it's on sale right now. I'll put links in the show notes. Uh, if you want a copy of this in text, there's a blog post associated also in the show notes. And I'm working on getting September's uh, anonymous questions out. And I guess I'll have to do October's too, since we're in November already. Life is speeding up, it seems. So that's it for now. As always, if you have any questions, just email me, j at uncoveringintimacy.com, and I'll catch you next time.